Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Well, we made it through another week. I think this is, uh, what is this, Julie, quarantine day 20 or something? It feels like about 2000, but yes. I mean, why is nobody coming out with like some sort of like... A new calendar? uh, Seriously, a new calendar. (laughs) Where every day has like 100 hours in it. Exactly. Well, anyway, today is April the 10th. Happy um, Easter, happy Passover, happy whatever. Good Friday. Good Friday, all the rest of it. And... um, so we're going to be talking, we're going to be answering a question that we have been getting about the housing market, because there's a lot of uncertainty what's going to happen as far as the housing market, as far as whether there's going to be, you know, essentially a crash or not. We think there will be. We think it's going to be basically because of unemployment. And what we're going to do is we're going to essentially go through all the details so that you guys can form your own opinions. Because ultimately, what you think is going to determine what you do. And what you do now is going to be incredibly important. What Essentially, what you're experiencing six you know months from now, maybe even 90 days from now. So we're going to do our best to give you the facts and the figures. And then you're going to have to make your own decision. Um, and again, guys, it's not just... Mickey Mouse that we're going to be giving you. We're going to be giving you actual facts. I mean, Julie's a little frayed at the edges as I stand here and look at her because she's getting a little sick of having to write stuff because we've been doing stuff constantly. You've been writing content constantly. We're giving presentations um, all over the place. And um, the heart of what we're trying to get agents to realize is that they need to basically be in control of their own destinies here and not be relying on the government or their brokerage or anything else. They need to be taking care of themselves. There are specific government programs that we've been telling you guys endlessly about, the SBA, PPP, frankly, unemployment. There's the stimulus money that's coming, and there's forbearances and all that stuff. All that information that you guys need, and uh, you need, like, probably, I'm hoping those of you who listened to us start when we started talking about this stuff last month, I'm, I'm hoping all of you guys got all this stuff done. Those of you who are listening to us for the first time, it's absolutely critical you take our suggestions and you implement all four of those, essentially those financial lifelines. Every single one of you need to have those in place because there's every reason to believe that, you know, essentially 90, 120 days, 180 days from now, things are going to be a lot scarier than they are now. And we're going to we're going to do our best to convince you of that. That way we'll scare you into taking action. Now, I know that we might be wrong with some of our predictions. And we hope we are. Trust me, we hope we are. We hope we are 100% wrong about everything we tell you is going to happen next. But if we are wrong, that's great. We'll say we are wrong, but thankfully we prepared you guys for the worst case and it didn't happen and now you're in a better position, but you're protected. If you approach what we're saying as what most agents will say, I'm a, I don't like what you guys are saying. It sounds pessimistic. I like to, I don't want to think like that. I don't even know what that means. Does that mean basically you want to go to war without any headgear or without any bullets in your gun? That's basically what you're saying. I'm going to go into battle with no bullets in my gun because you know, I'm an optimist. I don't think I'm going to have to shoot anybody or defend myself. I mean, it just is insanity. So look, it's 
all about hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. But so many of people in our industry, supposed leaders, they only know how to do the hoping. They don't know how to do the preparing. You all notice that yet? It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? So we have prepared a very in-depth, detailed um, document for you. It's our three-part survival guide. It's called the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide, and it's waiting for you. All you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. Just text the word survival to 31996. And the guide is made into three parts. The first is personal, and the second is protect, and the third section is called profit. Um, and all three of those sections are constantly being added to, and we're constantly adding and updating just today, like I said, Julie's been working on this for probably three hours today. Everything gets updated because all the forms and the processes and the information coming out from the government is changing. There's the you know the CARES Act, and then there's actually what's happening, you know, or not happening. And so we're doing our best to keep you guys on the leading edge. Do yourself a favor. Stop believing what you're reading on Facebook. Stop believing what you're frankly hearing in different places because. Even though the people are trying to deliver good information, they're probably delivering information that's obsolete because, again, this stuff is a moving target. All the information that we have on the website is available for you. It's a free coaching program. We obviously launched this because of the coronavirus and the what we're calling economic plague that will follow. So just text the word survival to 31996. And do that right now. Text the word survival to 31996. We'll text you directly back a link so you can join that uh, coaching program and all the information that you need to take action on is uh, sitting there waiting for you. All right, Julie, do you want to just jump right in or do you want to talk about anything from <laughs> any anecdotal information you came across to kind of lighten uh, the mood? Yeah, well, you know, there, there are still some uh, really good bright points going on on our private Facebook page for our coaching members. We are doing a celebratory Friday. What were their wins this week? And there's, you know, there's listings being taken and there's deals that are happening. I just read something that uh, DocuSign is reporting that so far, and I think it's because we're burning off what people sold 30, 45 days, 60 days ago. So far, according to DocuSign, um, you know, they haven't seen a drop yet. But I think that those days are numbered. Those hours may be numbered as we, you know, go through the things that were set to close. But, you know, our coaching clients are positive. I literally just got a chat. She's not listening to our podcast live because we're actually recording this, but the question is relevant. I'm going to read it to you guys. Hello, Tim and Julie. I've been listening to your podcast and heard your messages loud and clear. I'm concerned that I wouldn't qualify for PPP because I didn't have any transactions in uh, 2019, even though I've been licensed since February of 2019 with EXP since July of 2019. I'm a full-time teacher, still intent on transitioning out of uh, teaching despite the uh, COVID crisis. I've been uh, banking. I've been banking knowledge for a couple of years. I'm just now in the middle of my first transaction. I want to act on my plans as a full-time agent and investor. Do you think I should uh, try to qualify for programs for agents? I want the cushion. I, I want the cushion going forward. I don't know if I'm eligible in my situation. So I think on the service for um, the PPP program, you're not because you didn't have any income being self-employed or a W-2. But I, I'll tell you, I don't know. I'm not an expert at this. And Julie and I aren't acting like we are. We're just giving you the information. So what I would do is, yes, I would go ahead, and, go ahead and fill out the application and let them tell you whether you're qualified or not. So the key thing here is don't fill out the disaster relief fund application on the uh, SBA site. Fill out the applications for the Paycheck Protection Program, and that's waiting for you over on um, that uh, site I just told you how to get access to by texting the word survival to 31996. And you probably do qualify 
for unemployment. Believe it or not, unemployment is available for the first time ever uh, for self-employed people, which is crazy. So you definitely qualify for that, no question. Um, and then all your mortgage forbearances and frankly, the um, stimulus money, which you'll probably be receiving in the next couple of weeks. Get all the information you need by texting the word survival to 31996. Okay, Julie? Yes, you got it. And remember, the payroll protection plan uh, program, rather, has to go through a bank or a lender or a credit union, not the SBA's website. That's right. And we do have links to where they submit yep, that. Everything. And the, actual, and the application. And the application, right. Some of you guys are calling your banks and saying they're not sending the application. Well, we have the applications waiting for you over on the website. So again, we've done all the heavy lifting for yes. you. All right. So, want me to read this first bit? Yeah, go this for is, it. This is something I wrote yesterday, and um, I think it's, you know, these next couple paragraphs are going to give you guys the basis of our argument for the belief that we are going to be in a housing crash. So, right now, we ha have a market that's basically frozen. The asking prices haven't changed and no one is buying. Obviously, it's an exaggeration, but you guys get the idea. In most places around the U.S., even if you wanted to buy or sell property, it's just not practical or feasible. This situation isn't likely to change for at least another month or two and perhaps longer. During this deep freeze, economies are tanking, unemployment is skyrocketing, and the world is awash in a pandemic-driven tragedy unlike anything we've ever experienced in our lifetimes. The sober truth is that it's possible that there are real estate markets that will be worth less in the coming months than they were 10 plus years ago. Now, I want to put all of that in context, okay, just so you guys understand. I know there's transactions that are happening. There's transactions transacting. But the reality of it is, is it's not done. What you're going to see is you're going to see a massive drop off in the closings. And, and I broke it down in a, in, a, in a point that we're going to get to in here in a second. Um, and what, what it's going to feel like and when you start seeing these numbers that are going to start coming out and all the things that are going to happen as a as this housing market that's slowing is going to affect other tertiary industries, then you're really going to understand what a absolute economic firestorm we're entering into. In this historic time, it's critical that every business owner is beyond overprepared for the worst and accepting that the best may be some time off, mean, uh, meaning that there is no V-shaped recovery. I had this conversation with someone just this morning, believing there was going to be a V-shaped recovery, and come May or June, everything's going to be back the way it was. The reason it's not going to be back the way it was is because of unemployment. There will be no bounce back to anything that feels normal in the sense of how they were. The new normal will truly be abnormal. Uncertainty will be in abundance for months, if not years ahead. Be okay moving forward, even without the usual level of certainty they have needed in the past. The best you can do now is attach and align yourself with uh, people who are building momentum in the same direction as you. Be ex extremely critical, and this next point is really important. Be extremely critical, extremely critical and selective whom you listen to and influence you. A very slight misdirection on your part now will lead you off in a direction that in the next few weeks or months or years can actually be quite devastating on you. So in other words, if you guys, for example, this SBA program that we've been telling you guys about, the PPP program, well, how many of you know that it's due to sunset at the end of June? But how many of you know this, that we've already learned that the, it seems that the $350 billion has already been allocated? In other words, there might actually be a no more um, uh, money available from that first allotment of $350 million. But what we're going to see is that there's going to be another $250 billion that's going to be released. This is not in the news. I'm just telling you guys this because of our contacts from, frankly, the last crisis. We've kept a lot of those people as friends. And so they're telling us that it looks like the banks have already earmarked all $350 billion, and there's going to be another $250 billion. Now, why am I telling you about that? 
Because how many of you have heard Julie and I talking about this money and you haven't done anything about it? How many of you are waiting around to decide whether or not you're going to do something about it before you take action? Isn't that crazy? How many of you are going to wait around and decide whether or not you want to do the forbearances? How many of you have rental properties right now that you could have gotten forbearances on already, but because you've gone to a whole bunch of bad sources of information, yeah. it's convinced you not to do it? Whereas, guess what? Your tenants are already deciding they're not paying rent in April, probably not May or June. Oh, and you live in a state where you can't evict them even if you wanted to. And you're not prepared, which means because you are not, you have a mortgage on that rental property, who's going to pay the, who's going to cover the cost of the property? You are. And what happens if your cash flow flows down? slows down. You're not making the payment on the rental property. And then what happens? You're going to miss a payment. You guys understanding how this is all about dominoes? Yeah. And then your credit's going to be wrecked, which means that your current refund you're trying to do isn't going to go through. It's which, all related. And nobody, the mortgage companies at that point, because you missed a payment and you trashed your credit, Rude. you're not going to actually be able to get any sort of um, you know, uh, deals in essence, because you didn't follow directions now. Okay? That's the reason Julie and I are taking the stance that we are, and that's the reason we are it's incredibly important. And I've frankly been listening to a lot of these other, you know, gurus, all these coaches. There was a coach, a well known coach, and you guys don't like it when I coach bash, but such is the Let's way Let's put gets, air quotes around that word. Yeah, exactly. Who did a nice YouTube video where his solution for basically the uncertainty right now is to throw your arms up in the air. Isn't that the exact sort of thing you do when you don't know what the hell to do? So maybe what he's telling you is he doesn't know what the hell to do. Subliminally. Isn't that subliminally maybe with a message he's passing along without realizing it? So realize that you have to be incredibly careful who you listen to. Have you noticed that everybody's basically saying centers of influence and past clients? Everyone's saying the same thing. You ever wondered why? Why? Because that's all they know how to tell you to do. That's the only skill set that they have. So they're ill-equipped for this market change. And as a result of that, if you attach your knowledge base to them, you're going to be ill-equipped for what's going to come next. You guys getting the point here? You understanding where we're coming from? All right. So um, there is no V-shaped recovery. And that's really important you understand. It's, it's pretty much, not, it's baked in that there's going to be a U-shaped recovery. And if you visualize what the letter U looks like, we're right now on the downward slope, you know, and then they're going to be, you know, coasting along the bottom and then it's going to come back up. And I'll say this again, the reason there's impossible that there'll be a V-shaped recovery is because essentially as of uh, yesterday or Monday or whatever, it's a 20% of all working age people are without a job and people are saying that's going to be increased about 30%. The uh, GDP has dropped by, what was it, Julie, 43% or something? So far, yeah. Yeah, so far. So the even as the pandemic, it's, and the pandemic is going to be with us in varying levels of intensity until like mid-summer 2021. That's 18 months from now. That's what they said, how long they said it's going to take to create a virus. Social distancing will be the norm. People wearing masks will be the norm. You mean a vaccine. Vaccine. <laughs> yeah, create a virus. virus has already been done. Right, got it. Um, you're, there, we told you guys uh, a week ago that it's going to start being normal, that you're going to walk into public buildings and there's going to be uh, detectors there that are, without you knowing it or giving consent, take your temperature. And then if you have a temperature that's above normal, they're not going to let you in the building. Well, I just read this morning that retailers are planning on doing that too. So uh, like I said, the new normal is abnormal. Just get ready for it to happen. And laugh at it as much as you can, right? I mean, what else can you do when you're under a lot of stress? It's like we're all in some sort of dystopian movie and, you know, we're waiting for the hoverboards and the spaceships to fly by. You, you know, like I said, laugh at it. What else can you do? So I'm going to tell you guys a story. And this is something that 
um, when Julie and I lived in Las Vegas ages ago, we went to the movie theater that was there. It was this huge, what is what cinema, IMAX. IMAX, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was right on the strip. And um, the, if you guys have never been to an I, the IMAX theater in Las, in Las Vegas, I'll give you one word of advice. Sit way the hell in the back because if you sit too close, you're yeah. going to get motion sick. That's why there's bars in the front for you to hold on to if you're standing up. It's intense. It's okay. Crazy. Well, of course, we didn't sit far enough back because we got there late. Yeah. So, you know, we had an interesting That's how we experience. know these things. But that's right. You know, a smart man learns from his mistakes. Yeah. Uh, a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. So listen to what we're saying here. Or a woman, by the way. So here's this movie. It was all about climbing Mount Everest. And I'm just going to summarize the parts that Julie and I took away from the movie. And it is relevant to what we're talking about. There was a, it was a story basically of two base camps in essence. And one base camp was um, a bunch of mostly guys from America who had the best equipment, who were, you know, had practiced, you know, just the whole thing. They looked like they were out of uh, essentially a climbing catalog, you know, rugged, good looking, all this beautiful gear and the whole thing was new. All their boots, cleats, sparkled. They're like they had, hiking models. Basically. Yeah, they're like hiking models. And there were a bunch of them. Most of them were like basically maybe 40 to you know, probably like 55. Great shape. They've been practicing for years. Just the absolutely creme de la creme of you know what you'd expect like if you had an unlimited budget to go climb mount everest you would have done it just like these guys did it right and so they were in a base camp and then there was another base camp which was more normal people they'd had you know you could just tell when you were comparing the two base camps one base camp the tents looked like tent tent mahals and they had you know all these sherpas that were all these essential people that they'd hired to take care of their base camp for them so there were all these you know locals that were running around you know cooking food for them the whole thing it's like one was the ritz carlton base camp and the other was like holiday inn base camp you guys get what i'm saying so now came time like the and what you do is you hire sherpas to help you climb up everest and evidently there's several ways to go up everest but not all of them ensure levels of success equally and some of the levels of uh, some of the paths will literally result in death um, depending on the weather conditions and all the rest of it some of you may have seen this movie so you know what i'm talking about so the story goes that um, the movie went on that essentially the you know the ritz carlton uh, type climbers what they did is they hired a group of Sherpas that were going to, that weren't necessarily the most equipped, most, you know, they, they were trying to decide which Sherpas, again, a Sherpa is like a group of people that help carry their crap but also get them up in the mountains. Now, the guys that the, the Ritz Carlton uh, uh, climbers hired this group of Sherpas because those Sherpas were saying, go up this way, go up this way, go up this way, and we can leave tomorrow. And those guys were like, yeah, we want to make it to the top of the mountain. This is going to be a big thing. We're going to Instagram. We're going to show pictures of us leaning on a polar bear. You know, you guys get the idea. So then they left, essentially, and they went this particular route that, you know, was usually people make it up to the top. This other group, they hired a group of uh, Sherpas, and those Sherpas said, no, there's a storm coming. You absolutely don't want to go the route those other guys went. We want to wait like another week. We want to camp out. This is our plan. It's going to be, uh, you're not going to get up to the top as fast, but you will get to the top. And, um, you know, they all voted on it and they said, yes, that's the route we're going to go. We're going to believe our Sherpas know what they're going, know what they're doing. And the Sherpas, by the way, that these guys ended up hiring were a little bit older. You know, they couldn't carry as much as these guys gear for them. So that, you know, the, 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 Holiday Inn shirt, uh, group of climbers, if you guys can follow me on this story, they ended up having to carry a lot of their own crap where the Ritz-Carlton guys 
were essentially their Sherpas were carrying a lot of their gear for them. So you saw this video, this movie of these, you know, rugged, good looking, you know, whatever guys were basically climbing up the hill with no backpacks on where, you know, they were essentially, and then you, and then occasionally they'd break away and saw these Sherpas, which were like half the size of these guys that were carrying all their fancy, rugged, you know, orbits type gear. You guys get the idea. Um, and then, so this other group, they carried their own crap. They didn't have as many Sherpas, but they were listening to their Sherpas. And their Sherpas, so the, the first group was sort of fancy, good-looking, looking for an easy way to get to the top, thought they were going to do it smarter crowd. than everyone else. The what? They're the selfie crowd. You know, they're in it like, yeah. for the fun of it. Right. They were, look, no. they were looking, they were the easy button guys, basically. Mm-hmm. And they thought, they, oh, we're delegating everything. And then, so the second group was they're going to do more of the work themselves. They realize in order to get to the top of that mountain, they're going to have to do more of what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. Well, as the story goes on, guess what happened? The guys in the first group, most of them end up dying. And what happened was this, the second group's Sherpas told them not to go up that route because the storm was coming and a lot of those guys froze on the mountain. And what was really shocking, and this was maybe in a different movie, I may be combining things in my head, is that as you climb up to the top of Mount Everest, you end up, depending on the direction of the wind and the snow depth, you end up passing frozen dead bodies. And those frozen dead bodies are it, like they showed some of them. Again, you guys may have seen this. It is shocking because um, they can't pull them down. I mean, they, basically people die climbing the mountain and they might be with three or four other people and they all just die and they all freeze and they call they become basically part of the mountain and they never they never get pulled off the mountain. It's not like there's a spring there. So um, the moral of the story is, is you got to be really careful who you hire as your Sherpa. And you've got to climb when your Sherpa tells you to climb. And you've got to chill when your Sherpa tells you to chill. You have to trust the Sherpa that you hired, but you have to make sure you're hiring the right Sherpa. Well, you've got to pre-qualify your Sherpa, right? So how many times have you been up and down this thing? What's your equipment like? You know, how many people have you lost along the way? But people don't do that, especially in times of crisis when you're kind of freaking out and you just want somebody to, you know, give you an idea of what to do today. You don't take a second to ask, have they done it before? Have they been up that mountain? You know, are you going to be a person sickle or are you going to get to the top? What's it going to be? And it, it greatly depends on who you're trusting along the way. So when Julie and I, uh, and Julie and I are definitely the Sherpas in the second group, and we're not going to tell you what you want to hear. And guess what? We're not going to carry your, you know, your designer gear. You're going to have to carry your own weight, get up that mountain. And if you, you're going to go when we tell you to go, and you're going to stop when we tell you to stop. We're going to get you to the top, and you're not going to die, or you're not going to lose any, you know, fingers or toes. That's what our job is. And so. When you are trying to decide who you're going to follow up the mountain, because that is what we're all facing right now. We're all at base camp and we're all trying to decide who we're going to follow up the mountain. And we're all going to, you know, we ha- we're getting ready. That's what all of us are basically doing. And what Julie and I, your Sherpas, you know, we're not short, you know, weathered skin, hairy men, but, you know, Julie's kind of close looking at her. It's all the walks we've been going on. No, it's good hand. <laughs> Julie's true hair color is coming out. Come on, Calico that was a King. that was a good joke. And I you know. Didn't, you didn't I even know. give me a snarly just, look. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys get the point, right? So be very careful who you listen to because it really does matter. And if who you're listening to is constantly talking about the same crap they're talking about, well, if they're throwing their arms up as a solution, I mean, come on. Really? That's what you're really? supposed to be doing. That's and, what Zoe would say. Really? really? <laughs> and if they're constantly talking about their, you know, working on your mindset, working on your social networking, and working on your Facebook, and working on your this and the other thing, they don't know what the hell to tell you to do. 
They don't know what to do themselves. That's the truth. You know that intuitively, don't you? You feel it in your gut. You feel it in your core. And this is the time in your life when you're going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and finally embrace doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. And guys, it's not going to go away. A lot of you are using the excuse that there's going to be a V-shaped recovery. Listening to these fools tell you that because it means it's an excuse for you not to actually do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. You're just saying, you know what? Everything I was doing back in this crazy seller's market is going to work again. I don't need to do anything different. And I'm going to give you guys a, for example, how absolutely absolutely urgently scary that is. So one of the things we teach you in the second part of the guide is basically the protect section. The protect section is telling you exactly what to do to make money in this market. And by the way, it's 100% focused on working with sellers, 100% focused on sales skills, 100% focused on all the things that you absolutely positively must know. And here's the first thing that we tell all of you to do. And I'm going to tell you why in a second it's the first thing. Every single one of you must be learning how to do BPOs. BPOs will put money in your pocket instantly. And by the way, you can do BPOs and still be on unemployment. You can do BPOs and still qualify for PPP. You can still do B- you can do BPOs and still get mortgage forbearances. This is not something, these com- combination of thoughts is, trust me, not anything Julie and I would ever, telling you just to get unemployment, are you kidding me? I mean, that wasn't even, we would even have had that thought 60 days ago, but we have to now because Julie and I are the Sherpas that are going to get you to the top of the mountain so you can enjoy the view. And that drawing of the view is the third section of the book called uh, Profit. And you won't get there unless you do the first two things accurately. That's the premise of how we wrote that book. So here's what I want you to think about. BPOs. And here's this is and just hear me out. We show you exactly how you can start your own BPO cash flow machine. We did a podcast about that the other day. Go back and listen to it. When you're doing BPOs, guys, we show you exactly how to do maybe three to five BPOs a day and make around $5,000 a month. You can start doing that urgently right now. A BPO is a broker price opinion. It's in essence an elaborate version of a CMA. Take action on that urgently because here's the problem. The BPO uh, industry is going to go through the roof. And we talk about this on the podcast, and I don't want to drill down on it now, but BPOs are going to be the thing that you wish you would have done or wish you would have taken seriously 60 to 90 days from now. Time is of the essence. It's like that PPP money we were just telling you about. Once it's gone, it's gone. There's no guarantee that that 250 I told you about is going to get approved. We only heard a rumor of it, so it might already be over. And if you procrastinated, you did it at your own expense. Same thing with BPOs. Once the uh, BPO companies have their local uh, agents chosen, they don't need any more. And you're out. And you're not going to be able to do BPOs and you're not going to be able to make money. Now, most of the BPOs, you can do commercial BPOs and sometimes get paid hundreds of dollars per BPOs. Most, most average drive-by BPOs will be $50 per BPO. Somewhere in between is where most of them fall. So you need to take this seriously. You need to do this because this is going to give you a floor to your cash flow. This is going to give you cash flow that you can do, in essence, from your house sitting in front of your computer. And you can essentially, it's not a commission. It doesn't require a, a buyer saying yes, a seller saying yes, a, a, a your financing going through. So here's what you need to do now. Text the word BPO, you know, BPO, it's just three letters, BPO to 31996. And we'll get uh, we'll get a hold of you and we'll tell you exactly how you can start making money from BPOs. Do this urgently because in another 90, to, uh, 90 days, six months from now, 
Everyone's going to be saying what I just told you, and it's going to be too late because at that point, the BPO companies are going to say, we don't need any more agents, you know, no more room at the end. That's so true, Tim. You know, I was talking about our uh, Facebook page for our coaching members, and we're having our uh, Good Friday victory speeches on there. And one of the things that I'm so proud of them for, these are our early adapters, the ones that were doing this the first time we mentioned it, which was probably two or three weeks ago, some of the victories were how many BPOs they've already done this week and how good they feel and they feel like they're going to be okay and that this is the start of it because they took action two or three weeks ago. They're already getting those BPO orders and they're already feeling a lot better about this. You know, the comments are awesome. They say things like, you know, there's nothing better than just getting checks in the mail all the time. <laughs> nothing better than that. I know I'm going to be okay. And many of them are spinning it up. You know, the basic premise of BPO cash flow is to at least cover your basic monthly overhead. That way you have freedom to not have 3 a.m. real estate night sweats. And it's even more important now. And it's, it's being more effective more quickly like, because those are the same. Our BPO guys are the same ones that already have their mortgages in forbearance. That's right. So this is true profit and, for them. And some of them have their PPP loans that turn yeah. into grants that don't have to be repaid if they follow the rules. They already have the, uh, the PPP money in the bag. They're already getting their stimulus checks sometime the next couple of weeks. They're the they, ones I'm least worried about, to right. be honest with you. Because they took action. You know, yeah. They were the ones that were smart. They waited for the Sherpas to show up that knew how to get them to the top of the hill. And they're just not wasting all their time making TikTok videos. Okay. <laughs> which is even shocking <laughs> to even right? say. But oh I, I, Julie, seriously, how can you, even if you have an IQ score of three, think that a TikTok video is going to make yeah. you money? That's, that's the, what you're supposed to be doing. But right? those are people that are in denial. Those are people that think that the you know end of May, coronavirus, market's going to come back, everything's going to be normal again. No. They're not paying attention to reality. It's statistically impossible to have a V-shaped recovery at this point. Yep. It it, is. That, that train has already left the station based sheerly on the unemployment. I mean, why do you think, I mean, even, even if you look at the PPP, how quickly that money went away. Wells Fargo actually has said that they're out of that SBA yep. PPP. They're done with that. And by the way, we're not doing jumbos unless you have a huge well, deposit. Let's get to our facts, okay? Yeah. So, so this but is, my, that's our point is that the facts are against you if you're sitting there doing your TikToks thinking that it's just going to bounce back tomorrow. Yeah, and some of them are really cute to watch. I'm not well, going to lie. That's beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. let's talk about um, just a, a couple. This is about as far down the a rabbit hole of mindset that I'm going to go. So here we go. Okay. Here's a simple fact, guys. Um, though this all sounds like bad news, even terrifying news, it doesn't have to be because money still flows. The money is still going to flow. In matter of fact, with all the trillions of dollars that the Fed is pumping into the economy, technically more money is flowing. It's just flowing to different people. It's flowing to different institutions. There's no lack of money. There's no shortage of money. There's an abundance of money. It's just going to different people that have different skill sets. Do not forget that. Because if you start believing the, mar the market's changed, it's no longer a seller's market, you're going to start believing that somehow there's some like big hand that came in and grabbed a big portion of the pie, leaving nothing for you. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you right now are facing down uh, scarcity, if you're not and looking forward to abundance, it's because you just don't know what to do yet. You don't have the skill sets that are necessary. Julie and I just told you about the BPOs. We just told you exactly what you should be doing. Text the word BPO to 31996 and do that now. Don't wait. You, we're not even going to probably talk about BPOs because it's going to be too late, probably in the next 90 to 120 days. We're not going to even tell you to even try because at that point, you'll have already missed the opportunity. Text the word BPO to 31996. So here's the thing. 
the greatest fortunes of humanity, and I've been saying this, and Julie and I have been saying this nonstop for two weeks, have already or have always been made during the greatest times of change. And I hear other people repeating that, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't mind you guys liberating our content. But the moral of the story is during the greatest times of change, when so many other people are not taking actions or the actions they're taking are misdirected, that's when the opportunity is there and perfect for people that are urgent, they're smart, and they're willing to do the real work in real estate to make a fortune. We're coming up during, we're coming up on one of those uh, times in history now. But if you don't have your own personal, you know, essentially economy protected, and if you're not making the right actions, you're never going to have the money, the cash flow, and the confidence to have profit. And I'm going to tell you guys a real quick story. Um, and then, Julie, let's get through at least three or four of these points, okay? Good? Yeah. yeah? Okay. All right. So, story one. Um, yeah, me too. Julia's just telling me she has a call at what time? 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Me too. Yep. All right. So um, I used to uh, amateur at best race cars and I took some driving schools to get my uh, race car license. This was way back when and race go-karts and things like that too and Ferraris and we've been on the track with Lamborghinis and other things. But that aside, <laughs> one of the first things they teach you when you're um, learning how and getting a racing license is that if you look in the direction in which your car is sliding. That's the direction you're going to go. So if you go into a turn and all, or you blow a tire and the car is sliding towards a concrete barrier or a tree or another car, it does not matter. It's always a solid object. Your car is going to go in that direction. You are going to hit that object. So the worst thing you can do when you're in a slide and you need to take corrective measures is look in the direction the car is going because chances are the car is going in a, in a direction that you don't want it to go. What you have to do, even though it's counterintuitive, even though it does not feel natural, even though it makes you feel uncomfortable, is you have to look away from the direction that the car is sliding and, work to and look towards the direction that you want to go. Otherwise, you're going to essentially wreck your car and maybe worse. You guys understanding the point? What most people do when they're in a slide is A, they take too long to realize that they're in a slide and they don't take action fast enough. And what they end up doing is looking in the direction that they're sliding and they then they're they're it's absolutely assured that they're going to hit that barrier. That's what most of you guys are doing. That's natural and normal. I want you to be abnormal and you need to start looking in the direction that you want to go. So when you're hearing Julie and I go through these points, I know some of them are scary and they're not scary because we wrote them. These are all cut and paste points. They're scary because guess what? They're freaking scary because this is the shit that's happening right now. So be a little scared so you can decide to take proactive you know, course correction uh, you know, changes before you hit that barrier. Julie. That's right. So what are the key elements that are going to actually trigger a historic housing as well as other assets crash? That's right. We're using that word. So first, there's some unknowns here, but these are definitely factors which could increase the coming surge in supply in the pool of single family rentals, for example. So remember that a, a crash and a price adjustment is largely driven by inventory supply. So the more you have of something, the less price each of it has. That's true of many different things, not just housing. So here's a fact, about 8 million landlords who own between one and 10 properties, accounting for half of the nation's rental properties, financial duress will come swiftly for those carrying multiple mortgages. 9 million second homes in the US that may or may not be financially viable given the depth of the current recession. So if you only take those two factors, so those are investors owning between one and 10 properties that are half of the nation's rental properties, 
And we know that at least 30% so far of those tenants did not pay in April. That's just the first month of this mess. Okay. If you take just that and then you factor in all of the vacation rentals, which are not getting rented. And a lot of those people bought those recently during a pretty hot market and paid pretty high prices for them. Not all of them have that much equity in it. So between their house payment, their HOA, their property taxes, their homeowner's insurance, how long will they go wanting to own those properties? And the point being is it's dominoes because what a lot of investors have have been taught to do uh, is basically leverage the equity from one property to the other, to the other, to the other. Well, if you have multiple tenants not making payments at the same time, you then have to basically make those uh, payments yourself, which by the way, is the reason that we are telling you to put all your loans in forbearance ASAP should have done it already. Yeah, Your tenants are doing it. So, right. You know, and, and so in addition to that, it's not normal for you as a property owner or your clients, your you know your prospects as property owners. Why? Because when those tenants don't pay, they can't be evicted or foreclosed on in the next near future. They can't just replace the tenant. They can't just go get the income again. So that's going to drive inventory. Skip the next points. The University of Michigan's preliminary consumer sentiment index for April was released Thursday and showed that plans to buy a home tumbled the most since 1979. These are just cut and paste. People, and here's another interesting thing I found. People have lost a lot of their paper wealth, uh, their paper wealth, you know, stocks and bonds and whatnot, will spend less on discretionary items. And those who are retired or close to retire retirement may be drastically changing their spending plans. For those who've been planning to buy a home in an active adult community, for example, may have to shift their plans and that could impact absorption rates in those developments. Nearly one in three renters in the U.S., here's the statistic Julie just said, nearly one in three renters in the U.S. US failed to pay their April rent um, at the beginning of the month. And that's from a landlord uh, group. And here's another little interesting fact we picked up. Uh, that's the that's the biggest increase in missed payments compared to one month uh, to even the month before. In March, 81% of households paid their rent within the first days of the month. By April, on time uh, on time payments dropped to 69% of household households. It's not surprising that tenants couldn't make the rent this month, considering that 16.6 million people, roughly one in 10 workers, have filed for unemployment in the last three weeks. Um, we're reading that some people are predicting that unemployment is going to go to 30%, not 30% of all US, uh, people in the U.S., but 30% of people uh, that are of working age. So so there's like a 300 and how many? 60? 330 million. And people in the United States, half of which are considered to be working age. And so they're saying a third of those people are basically going to be without a job. All right, so here's some more facts. The biggest drop drop in home sales is happening now. The full effects will be obvious in 60 to 90 days from now. Closings in April were from February, March activity. Closings in May were from March, April activity. Closings in June from April, May activity, of which there's virtually none. It's clear and obvious that home sales are dropping off the cliff, a very, very tall cliff. So those are the, that's a very critical point that you guys all need to be understanding. You're going to see a lot of people saying, well, it's not that bad. How, things haven't no, changed. They're already that. thinking it. They're saying, well, my last closing, I had three offers and they were all competing with each other. That's and they right. still closed. Going- well, that's natural that you would go to your one example that's still an outlier, but just wait even two weeks, you're going to see this. It's the unemployment, guys. That's the real yeah. problem that's going to happen from this. It's the unemployment that's going to cause people not to be able to get jobs or keep the houses that they have. And not the unemployment, obviously, is going to prevent people from purchasing properties. There's a psychological shift 
Um, the virus, and this is point number two, psychological shift, virus, and then economic PTSD, ever-present pre- ever fears of the virus. Nothing scares people more than fear of loss of health for themselves and those that they love. The virus vaccine won't be released for at least another year, maybe, maybe longer. They're saying 12 to 18 months, and that's from the beginning of last month. So we're talking about sometime late next summer on the outside. In that time, we are in this weird, abnormal world. Everything will feel strange. And so this is the third point we're going to share with you guys today. Massive unemployment, bigger than any time in history, U.S. history anyway. All the unemployment benefits and other government programs are mere lifelines for it will eventually end. 20 and 30% of all businesses are projected to fail or never return to their previous formats. So that's going to be like real estate brokerages, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Almost 100% of all employers in the U.S. are classified as small businesses. Isn't that amazing, guys? I'm going to read that again. Almost 100% of all employers in the U.S. are classified as small businesses. Ponder that fact for a second. It's amazing. Um, so here, let's talk about real estate brokerages for a second because that's relevant to all of you guys. Most real estate brokerages were operating on a 3% or less margin. Most real estate brokerages barely had a month, let alone six or seven months worth of cash flow saved to get them through this you know, economic ice age that we're going to be entering into. To no fault of their own, a lot of these brokerages are basically who are only holding on by fingernails before are all going to fail. Most real estate brokerages weren't really businesses anyway in the traditional sense because the owner of the business was essentially paying their personal bills and oftentimes trying to subsidize the uh, business itself or having to subsidize the business uh, itself from his or her own personal real estate transactions. That's how most brokerages have existed and people have thought that was normal. Guys, those weren't really, you know, those were not that the very definition of an unprofitable business. And in times like this, businesses like that are going to go down the furthest and the hardest. Now, from an agent's perspective, this is the reason I'm scared for all of you. And Colette McDonald pointed this out. A really great point. She had, she was part of a brokerage in Atlanta or knew somebody that was. I wasn't sure which version of it. Anyway, the brokerage went out of business. The brokerage declared bankruptcy. This agent, or maybe it was her, had pending commissions that essentially were wrapped up in the bankruptcy and even listings that were wrapped up in the bankruptcy. And so that agent was out the money from the transactions, couldn't sue anybody because it was wrapped up in the bankruptcy. And and that's what's going to happen to a lot of these brokerages inevitably because of the fact they don't have the cash flow to weather the storm. And agents, if you're not protecting yourself against that, you're going to basically suffer. And again, I'm not blaming your broker, to be honest with you, because your broker, even though they weren't running the greatest of you know business models it this what's happening now not their fault this what's happening now not your fault you guys are not essentially going through this because you have taken too much risk or because you are bad business people it's not your fault and i mean that in the truest sense this is an example of and again this goes to something we've been talking a lot about lately This is an example where some external force, the government in this case, decided that you're not going to do business. They took away from you your ability to earn a living. They took away from you just like they would have taken a farmer if they decided, like a farm, a farmer who owns, say, a soybean field in you know Michigan, and that farm, farmer then was uh, receiving a letter from the government saying, "We're going to build a freeway through your uh, uh, farm field, and through eminent domain, we're going to take your farm field." Well, they have to then pay that guy a certain amount of money, market value, maybe plus a little, for said farm field, right? That's how it works. It's called eminent domain, and it's actually part of the Fifth Amendment, which is called the Takings Clause. And we spend a lot of time 
I'm researching this because a lot of agents and brokerages were feeling bad or at least uncertain about taking advantage of all the programs that are out that the government designed for them to take advantage of. They didn't want to do it out of pride mostly or have a sense that if they take some kind of, you know, for example, unemployment, that that means that somebody else who might be more needy uh, is not going to get it. All those forms of logic I understand completely. They're congruent with the way Julie and I think. But the reality of it is they're also irrelevant because A, there is no such thing as a lack of money in this country because our country makes its own money. There is no, it's fiat currency. It's all ones and zeros. So they'll never, there'll never be an end to the money. That is something you can research on your own. But the real reason is, is because of the same reason that farmer got reimbursed the loss of the income he would have made from that soybean field. You are legally obligated, responsible, they are, to pay you for the loss of your business. That's the reason this is completely different than the way most people are thinking of it. Fifth Amendment, takings clause, Google it yourself, you'll discover what I'm talking about is true, right? We did the work for you, I just told you, but if you want to drill down on yourself, go right ahead. So in the meantime, here's what you guys got to accept moving forward. The abnormal nature of life is going to be the new normal. That's okay. You know, Julie and I left our little community here in Puerto Rico uh, last Friday, and some of you guys have had similar experiences. And we went, Zoe, we were out of bananas. Zoe wanted um, bananas, so we went to Costco. The line at Costco, you guys know how big Costco's, all right, was all the way wrapped around by one and a half times the entire store. We took one look at that. We said, no way. We went up to Sam's Club, same thing. No way. We drove off again, and then we went to this little local grocery store called Amigo, same thing. Hour, hour and a half, two hour, three hour lines just to get in. That is incredible. Is that going to change anytime soon? Do you think until there's a vaccine created, do you think Costco is going to want or allow people in mass to basically flog the stores like they had in the past? That's not going to happen. That's the new abnormal, limited access to the stores. There's not just going to be a switch that's going to be flipped and everything's going to go back to normal. And I'm going to tell you guys the real reason why events are being canceled. I'm going to tell you the real reason why Costco's and all that are doing what they're doing. Yes, it's to stop the spread of the disease. That is true. That hopefully is their primary you know, motivation. But the real reason is the liability. The liability, if you have an event with more than 10 people, if you have 200 people in a room that you invited and somebody gets sick there, let alone dies, there is an excellent reason to believe that you could be held personally liable for that. No errors in admissions insurance policy is going to cover you for involuntary manslaughter. Now, I didn't think of that. Other people thought of what I'm telling you that we started warning you guys about last month. Here where we live, we had a very famous local businessman. His name is Peter Schiff. You guys can Google him, who was talking about this very thing that he had heard from um, some of the, he was on boards of directors and the boards of directors of these businesses were saying, we have got to stop doing live events because there's a potential liability issue. We then started telling everybody we knew before most of them were ready to hear it, that they've got to stop doing live events. Why am I telling you this? Because think of how many communal type things had just been the norm. Baseball games, football games, real estate conventions, going to Costco, going to church, going to synagogue or mosque. There's every reason to believe that until the vaccine is actually in place, that those things are not going to be part of our lives like they were. And that's going to be shocking for a lot of people. But you have to embrace that the new normal is abnormal. And then hopefully in, in you know, what, year and a half or less, things are going to feel the things are then going to be able to return to something that resembles normalcy. Even if 
the um, quarantines are lifted at the end of May, which is basically when it's going to happen. Don't believe it's going to be any sooner than that. In some parts of the country, it might even be into June. Even when those quarantines are going to be lifted, there's all going to be all kinds of draconian measures put in place. And then everyone is saying the virus is going to come back in the fall. And then we're going to have to do all this over again. Okay, So that's what we're doing in right now is we're doing our best to get you guys to listen so you can be prepared so that you don't have to essentially... <laughs> you know, experience the hardship any more than you absolutely have to. So please download that plan that we created for you guys immediately. Text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And if you're super smart and you want to be super urgent, get in line now to start doing BPOs because that will give you cash flow. Um, Yeah. And just text the word BPO to 31996. So Julie and I are going to continue to do at least one, usually three shows a day. We're going to be doing a special Sunday show that we're looking forward to talking to you guys about because it's a lot more informal and fun and we can kind of laugh and, you know, (laughs) joust a little bit verbally, which we enjoy doing and some of you guys enjoy listening to. But in the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, if you want to talk to me about a graceful exit, for example, brokers, if you're looking, if you're realizing after listening to us that you realize that maybe the next 60 to 90 days is going to be pretty close and, you know, financially and scary, you need to think about texting me directly and I will walk you through the economics of a graceful exit of getting yourself out of your current economic situation and I will help you and show you how to make it so that financially it's easy for you to move from where you are to a better place so that you can weather whatever storm's coming. And I know, and you know, a lot of you have been thinking about getting rid of your brokerages anyway, so this is a good excuse. So just text me directly, and yes, we will be talking about EXP Realty when we have that conversation. That is what we're going to talk about. So if you have some religious opposition to talking about EXP Realty, then don't text me. But other than that, you can text me, uh, and my direct cell phone is 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Guys, we will get this together. Choose your Sherpa wisely. Did I make that point clear enough? Choose your Sherpa wisely so you don't end up just being frozen on the side of the mountain when we're finally through this economic ice age. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.